Hello and welcome to another edition of Queued Up. It is Friday, May 26th, 2023. So happy to be here. Of course, thank you always for the support. We have tons to talk about. I know it has been a while since my last podcast. A lot has gone on, so I might be a little late to the party with some of this news. But I'll try to stay as current as I can and maybe give some new takes on things that people may not have said before. But there is some breaking news, at least a little, in the NFL world on this Friday. It is DeAndre Hopkins. We knew that he wasn't going to be on the Cardinals this year. There was just too much turmoil within that organization. Coach is gone. GM is gone that brought him in. But now we get word that he is a free agent. The Cardinals have been trying to trade him since the draft and even before that. No team wanted him. No one wants to pay him that amount of money and give up, you know, whatever draft pick it would have been. So now teams have the opportunity to try to sign him. And Hopkins is on record saying that he would want to play with Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Uh, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and Justin Herbert. I think it's a pretty unique set of players there, obviously, with Lamar Jackson. If he wants to go play with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, I mean, what, is he going to get two catches a game? Lamar Jackson doesn't throw the ball. I mean, and Herbert, very inconsistent. Jalen Hurts as well. I mean, Hurts gets 20 carries a game. You're going to go play with the Eagles? I mean, yeah, they made it to the Super Bowl last year, but you're you're not going to be one of the main guys in that Eagle offense. Maybe if you go to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs because they throw it so many times and because, I mean, I probably couldn't even name two or three wide receivers they have on that team because there's so much turnover year after year with the Chiefs. I think that is probably the best bet for him. If you're a Jets or a Giants fan, let's face it, he's probably not going to come to either of our teams just because in that five quarterback list that DeAndre Hopkins released, It did not have Aaron Rodgers on it. And if you're going to put Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert on that list and not put Aaron Rodgers, there's got to be some sort of rift between Hopkins and Rodgers. Obviously, somewhere along the line, Rodgers did something to Hopkins or Hopkins just does not like Rodgers for whatever reason. I don't know what it is, but I think there is something to be said for Rodgers not being on that list in the end. It's all up to Hopkins at this point. He can pick and choose where he goes if a team is interested in him. Obviously, there's going to be teams that are going to be calling his phone. And I, I just don't know how good he is at this point. He missed he missed half of last year because of PEDs. He still ended up getting 64 catches and had 717 yards. So he can play a little bit. But, I mean, he is aging. He's going to be... 31 years old by the time this this season starts, and I just don't know if he would be a great fit even for the Jets or the Giants. I think the Giants can't even sign him just because they don't have the cap room, but for the Jets, I mean, they got a lot of wide receivers. They signed Alan Lazard in the offseason, Nicole Hardman, CJ Uzama figures to be more part of that offense. They signed Randall Cobb. They have Garrett Wilson. I mean, they've got a lot of guys, and I think if they sign DeAndre Hopkins, he'll be second or third fiddle at this point. I I think Rodgers has developed a chemistry now with Wilson playing in OTAs, and Rodgers obviously loves Lazard, loves Cobb. I just don't know how Hopkins 
would integrate into that offense. And why? I don't even know if I would want him in a locker room in the Jets or the Giants just because he just he, he's known as being kind of not a locker room guy. And I, I just don't see how that'll fit with the Jets or the Giants. I think they got a good thing. Both teams, by the way, have a good thing going right now with the players that they have. Bringing in DeAndre Hopkins, who's known for being boisterous, who's known for maybe not having a great attitude or a questionable work ethic. I just don't think it is the right thing at this point for the Jets or Giants. Any other team can go after him. I think those five teams that are on that list with the Bills, the Eagles, the Ravens, the Chiefs, and the Chargers, I think those five teams definitely are in play. But one dark horse, one dark horse is the Patriots. I think the Patriots have been in the market for a wide receiver. They have not been able to get one. And if they can add DeAndre Hopkins, maybe that'll reinvigorate the offense. Mac Jones will look a little better. Definitely will give him some more support. And Bill Belichick is seen multiple times on NFL films when they do the sound effects and the mic'd up saying how uh, he loves DeAndre Hopkins. So we'll see about that. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers, he did strain his calf over the last week in OTAs. It's not a big deal. He did have a press conference basically explaining it. He said all the right things again about how he loves being on the Jets, how this has been a dream month for Aaron Rodgers between going to MSG for the Knicks and the Rangers, between getting to know the coaches, the players, and integrating into this offense, and he loves it. So he has said all the right things. I am a little worried about his calf strain, not this particular calf strain, but just the ones that are going to happen in the future. Because you know, he's 40 years old, and at some point, the body will break down, and for the most part in his career, he has been great about staying on the field. And he even said that in his press conference that he's played 15 plus years, and he's played basically every single game without missing any time. He did play through a little bit of an injury last year, but that was a freak accident, banging his thumb off of a opponent's helmet, and he should be fully healed for that. But I just think, as a 40-year-old, if he's straining his calf by just jogging in OTAs, I mean, what is he, what's going to happen week one when he goes up against the Bills and gets knocked um, on his derriere for the first time? That's That's my concern. And I really hope the Jets can protect for Aaron Rodgers. And I really hope that Rodgers does not have some freak accident. I'm knocking on wood right now. I really hope that's not the case. And I really hope that Rodgers can stay healthy. But this is a little concerning because it is, he was just, he was jogging. I mean, there is no contact at all in these OTAs and he still got hurt. So I'm a little worried with that. Um, hopefully he will heal from this calf strain. He'll do his stretches. He'll do whatever he takes. Just do whatever it takes to stay on the field and not have these, uh, you know, these little tweaks here and there. Even the tweaks, I don't want any part of. I want Rodgers to be fully healthy, and I want him ready to go to start week one and throughout the rest of the season. Moving right along now to the Mets. They have done pretty well since the last time I talked to you guys. I think the Mets were two or three games under 500. They are now a game over. They had a five-game winning streak snapped against the Cubs. They ended up losing two out of three against the Cubs, but they won last night. Francisco Alvarez has been the man. 
and he's batting ninth in the Mets lineup. He should probably be batting third or fourth. Move Lindor down a little bit because he's been struggling. Um, I don't know why I just took a random shot at Lindor there. He hasn't been doing great, but there are other players in this Mets lineup like Daniel Vogelback, who probably shouldn't even be on the team anymore. I mean, this is a guy who he does walk. He does get on base. He has an on-base percentage close to 400, but the Mets didn't bring him in here to walk and get on base. And it would be different if, uh, you know, he had a little bit of some speed, and he doesn't. He runs like he has a piano on his back, and when he gets on first, it doesn't really help the Mets out. He will help the Mets out if he hits home runs, and he's only hit two to this point, and that's just not going to cut it. Now, the Mets did call up Gary Sanchez. They have DFA'd him since. He played in two or three games. He was all right, but Tomas Nito was coming back, and God forbid Tomas Nito doesn't have a spot on the Mets roster. you got to make some room, and... You know, Nito's okay. He's a defensive guy. But now that we've gotten a taste of what having offensive production at the catcher spot could look like, I I don't want any part of Nito anymore. And Francisco Alvarez, he's not just the offensive catcher that doesn't have a glove, that can't throw. I mean, he can... he, He is getting rave reviews from scouts and analytics around Major League Baseball They say that he is one of the best pitch framers in all of baseball as a 21-year-old. He he was not known for his glove at all in the minor leagues. And now you're telling me he can hit and he can defend and he has a cannon for an arm? I mean, how is this guy not in the lineup every single day? And it's it just boggles my mind how there are actually some people that think the Mets are gonna send this guy down. There is no way. The Mets are going to send Francisco Alvarez back down to AAA once Omar Narvaez comes back. And Narvaez is coming back within the next couple weeks. And Tomas Nito is on the team. Narvaez will be on the team. And Alvarez will be on the team. So now the Mets are going to have to make a decision. And a lot of people just point to the catchers and just say, you know what? Tomas Nito is the odd man out. They're probably going to have to DFA him. But you know what? I, I would not mind having three catchers on the Mets and just DFAing Daniel Vogelback. Get Vogelback out of the lineup. Alvarez, I know he wants to play catcher. I know he wants to be beyond the plate, but his bat is so important in this lineup that is so inconsistent. So I would not mind having Alvarez being a DH for a few games and just holding three catchers. I think that should be the course of action for the Mets once Narvaez is ready to go because he was hitting before he left with a calf injury back in April. So we'll see what the Mets do. They will not send Alvarez down to AAA despite anything you read. If they send him down to AAA, Billy Epler should be fired or whoever made that decision should be fired because they have no clue about baseball. No clue. Alvarez has been the best player on the Mets over the last week and a half outside of outside of Alonzo. Alonzo's been ripping the cover off the ball on pace for 60 home runs this year. I'm leaving Alonzo out, but Alvarez has been terrific, and you should not send him down. Now, there was an anonymous Met who complained about Marcus Stroman's antics, and I think that the guy said, whoever said this, said that, you know, you're showing up players. It's just not professional. You know what? Do better. How about that? How about you don't let Stroman go out there and throw eight innings of two-run baseball. 
How about you get him in the first or second inning and knock him out of the game after giving up five or six runs? How about not just laying down and letting him look like a Cy Young out there? Then he wouldn't be doing the antics. That's the only way you stop it. And Buck Showalter, he said somewhere, he said something similar to what I'm saying right now. And he is 100% right. The Mets were horrible that game. Stroman was on his game. And, you know, when he is on his game, he's got that sinker going. It's tough to beat him. That's why you got to get him early. And the Mets did not do that. Their offense is terribly inconsistent. And that is one of the ways that you stop a pitcher from feeling himself. You just hit the ball left and right, score six or seven runs, knock him out of the game. There you go. Early shower for him. He's not doing anything on the mound. And it was kind of, I would say it was definitely a bad look for whoever that anonymous Met was. They not even put his name to it. I mean, how are you going to put that report out there or say that to Mike Puma, who was the person who put that out there, that quote? How are you just not going to put a name to it? If you feel that way, let's say it. Let's say it with some conviction. Put your put your name to it and let us hear it. That's it. So it was just kind of weird seeing anonymous men. I mean, you don't see anonymous players saying this very often. And the fact that they said that, of all things, I, I didn't get that. That kind of confused me a little bit. Um, either way, they shouldn't have said it because there's players on their team right now like Pete Alonso, he does that air hump on the dugout all the time. Yeah, Francisco Alvarez hitting home runs. Who, by the way, I love. I love hitting. I love him hitting home runs. I love him showing emotion when he hits those home runs, throwing the, his helmet up in the air, running around the bases like a five-year-old. That that's awesome. And you can do that when you do well. When you're not doing well, when the other team shuts you down, you're not doing that. That's what the Mets should have done to Stroman. That's it. It goes both ways, and. Uh, I, that's how I feel about the whole Stroman thing because that was a story for whatever reason a couple of days ago when he was, when he did pitch well. Um, but the Mets will be in Colorado tonight. They'll begin a three-game series. and they have, to, they have to take two out of three at least. You have to take two out of three against these teams that aren't playing well and that aren't good. The Mets have not been able to do that over the last two or three weeks. they got to start now because they are playing a little bit better. And the pitching, Carrasco pitched a lot better last night against the Cubs, and that is extremely encouraging because if they can get Carrasco going, that'll be just another guy that the Mets can now rely on, and that is one less start that David Peterson has. David Peterson with an ERA of 10. I don't want to see him anymore pitching for the Mets. Moving on now to the New York Yankees. They lost the series to the Orioles the past couple days, and if nothing else, this series provided a evidence that the Orioles are here, and they're going to be here for a while. They are a young team. Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez. They have so many players on this team, and it seems like they're all young. They are all under 28 years old. I think they are one of the top three youngest teams in all of baseball, and they're 12 games over 500. Like This is a team that is right there with the Rays. Everyone was saying, oh, the Rays off to a great start. This could be one of the best teams ever because of the start that they were off to. The Orioles are right there with the Rays now. The Rays have kind of tailed off. The Orioles have maintained a nice pace since the start of the season. And, I mean, it just sucks for the Yankees because that AL East, you're, you're looking at the Rays, the Orioles, the Blue Jays, who, oh, by the way, a very good team. And then the Red Sox always seem like uh, – always seem like they can 
go on a run and have a good year, give or take one or two years where they weren't great. Just seems like every team in the AL East is very good or at least above average. So that does not bode well for the Yankees moving forward here in the season and in the future. The Yankees will be playing the Padres, the underachieving San Diego Padres, for all the flack the Mets have gotten for having a high payroll. And it's deserved. I mean, they have been terrible. The Mets have only one game over 500 with a 350 plus million dollar payroll. The Padres are right there, top three team in Major League Baseball with payroll. They're 23 and 27. So as bad as the Mets have been, the Padres have been worse. They've been more an embarrassment than the Mets have been. But you'll get to see firsthand the Padres take it on the Yankees tonight on Apple TV exclusively. I don't really like that, but that's where we are going with streaming and these events with Apple TV Plus and then Amazon Prime. The Yankees have gone in bed with the past couple years. So we're slowly but surely getting to an all-streaming platform where the only way you will be able to get games is by a streaming service. So last but not least, the NBA playoffs. I did not talk about any of the Nuggets series against the Lakers. The Nuggets wiped the floor with Los Angeles, swept them. Nikola Jokic playing out of his mind. They now have a week and a half hiatus. LeBron now contemplating retirement. I don't buy that for a second. He will be back next year. He has always said that he wants to play with his son, who, by the way, just committed to USC. He'll probably play there for a year, and then he'll enter the draft. I don't know where he's going to be drafted, but I would imagine LeBron is going to at least play one or two years with him, just like he has always said. So do not buy any of the LeBron James retirement. I mean, he's been great. He was the best player on the Lakers, the best player or second best player on the court in that Nuggets-Lakers series. He's putting up all-time career numbers at this point in his career, almost, what is he, almost 40 years old. I mean, it's just incredible what he's been able to do. And I'm not a LeBron fan at all, but I can't question and I can't take anything away from what he has accomplished at this point in his career and throughout his career. I respect the heck out of it, and I think he still has a lot more in the tank than uh, just retiring this year. going to wrap up now with the Heat and the Celtics. Now, the Heat were up 3-0. They were coming off a of Game 3 in which they dominated the Celtics in Miami. It looked all but over for the Celtics with Game 4 approaching. They were able to win that game pretty decisively. The Heat were winning at the end of the first half, but then the Celtics went on a huge run in the second half. Jason Tatum was great. Jalen Brown was awesome. And they ended up winning that. So they took that back to Boston for game five. And they crushed the Heat last night. They absolutely killed the Heat with Jalen Brown, Derek White doing great. And now it's three games to two. The series goes back to Miami. I still don't think the Celtics have a chance. No team has ever come back from 3-0 down. I think teams going up 3-0 in NBA history are 153-0. and Only eight times has a team ever won two games after being down. Three games to nothing. That doesn't really help my case, but I thought that was a pretty interesting factoid. Um, I still think the Heat close it out tomorrow night. They have to. They better. They're in Miami. They've been dominant in Miami all season long. 
and all playoff long. Jimmy Butler, I'm expecting a 30-plus point outing from him. And if I know they're without Gabe Vincent. They were without him uh, last game or last night, and he is questionable for game six with a sprained ankle. It should not matter. Gabe Vincent should not matter, but it does. And it sucks that he had a surprise sprained ankle. I expect him to be back for game six. And even if he's not back, the Heat need to win that game. The Heat, like, how do the Heat just all of a sudden, after looking like a world beater in games one, two, and three, beating the Celtics twice in Boston, taking game three, how they did by 30-plus points, how do you just look like this over the last two games? Playoff, whatever, whether it's playoff hockey, playoff basketball, playoff baseball, playoff football, it's just different, and it's just you can't explain it because anything can happen. The Celtics open up as three-point favorites in Miami, by the way. So that is great value. If you think the Heat are going to win, take the Heat. I am not going to bet on the game, but I would bet on the Heat if I were I think the Heat are just going to close it out. I really hope so because if they don't, that series goes back to Boston, and Boston will probably be the first team ever to come back from 3-0 down, and that'll just be hell for me because I am in Providence. I'm surrounded by Celtics fans, and I will never hear the end of it. So please, Jimmy Butler, please Eric Spolstra, please Miami Heat win tomorrow night. That'll do it for me on this Friday podcast. I went a little over, but it's been a while since I put one of these out there, so I had to cover every topic that I thought deserved some coverage. And I'll be back hopefully on Monday to recap everything that happened over the past weekend. And hopefully I am talking about a Heat Nuggets NBA Finals and not having to think about Celtics and the Nuggets in the NBA Finals. Either way, we will know the NBA final matchup on Monday. So I will talk to you then. Take care. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. The unofficial start of summer is upon us. So I hope you enjoy that. Take care, and I'll talk to you on Monday.